turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be continuing to look specifically at the life of Moses, his, his life and his faith. In verses 27 to 28 of Hebrews chapter 11, So turn with me there and I will read and then we will pray. Hebrews eleven twenty seven to 28 says this, By faith he, that is Moses, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you again in thanks. Thanks for the blessing that it is to gather with your people. Thanks for the blessing that it is to gather and to to sing songs to you and, and about you and to one another. God, and and we thank you for the blessing that it is to open your word and to hear it read and to hear it preached. God, we pray that in all things, your spirit would be at work to apply your word to our hearts, that you might be glorified, that Christ might be exalted, and that we, your people, might be edified and built up. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Well, we're entering into a season within our culture where we begin to make certain commitments and resolutions as we head into the new year. And no matter how well intended those resolutions and commitments might be, we all know, if we're honest with ourselves, that six months in, four months in, just maybe a few weeks in, that we will fail to keep those resolutions and commitments that we've made before we go into the new year. We all know that on some level we will compromise. We will give in. We will fail. And the same truth applies to our lives spiritually. That this side of heaven we are beset with sin. This side of heaven we still struggle with sinful flesh. We still toil and we still struggle. We still fight sin. And in our fight for sin, this side of heaven, we will fail. We will compromise on some level or another. That's just the, that's just the way that it is. We will all struggle. Now, I know that's not the most uplifting thing to hear at the beginning of a sermon, You come in here, it's dark and gloomy outside, and now you come in and I'm telling you, you're going to fail. But it is a reality. But the question before us is, why is it that we find ourselves compromising our faith so often? Now, now we can answer that just sin in general, but maybe more specifically, what are some reasons that you find yourself compromising Your faith. Why do we compromise our faith? Now again, I think there's many answers to that question. 
many specific answers, many different struggles that we could, we could think of for ourselves to answer that question. But I think that one of the primary reasons why we find ourselves compromising our faith so often in life, one that we all share on some level or another, is that we fear man. That we fear man. We find ourselves compromising our faith most in life because we have a great fear of man. Again, we've all experienced this on some level or another. But I think one that is likely most common that might hit home for all of us in a shared way is that all of us know somebody who is not trusting in Christ. All of us know somebody, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, whether it's a co-worker, whether it's a neighbor. We all know somebody who is not trusting in Christ. They don't know Him as Lord. They don't know Him as Savior. And we know what is coming for them. We know that the wrath of God hangs over them. And that their only hope of salvation is Christ. We know this. And yet, there have been probably at least more than one moments in our lives where we've had the opportunity to share Christ, to have a spiritual conversation with that person or those people, and we have remained silent. We haven't spoken up. We haven't said anything. Maybe this past week, in light of the holiday season, in light of Christmas, where it's a perfect time, we're likely gathering with family and friends. Well, maybe not this year because of COVID, but you're likely coming in some form of contact with an unbeliever, family member, friend, co-worker, whoever it is, who doesn't know Jesus. The opportunity to have that conversation has come up, and we have been silent. And again, we can come up with a number of excuses, as I have many times, as to why it's not the time, why it's not the place, to have that conversation. But at the end of the day, at the center of the issue, the fear of man is probably somewhere in our mind and in our heart. At the end of the day, we're fearful of the rejection that we might experience. We're fearful of what they're going to say. We're fearful of how they're going to respond. We're fearful of how they're going to talk about us to other people. We're fearful of how they might treat us moving forward. We fear man. We fear how they will respond to us. And this can happen on a, on a personal, social level, again, with fan, friends and family, but it can happen on a, on, a, on a bigger, more societal level as well. When pressure is coming down upon us from society and the world at large, And the conviction of our faith is tested. And will we stand true to the convictions of our faith? Chad pointed out on Thursday, if you were here, the Christmas Eve service, talking about these churches in Canada where members and pastors are being fined and threatened with jail time. Again, we don't have that necessarily here and to that extent. But it could happen. And how will we respond then? Will we give in to the fear of man or will we persevere? 
the Hebrew Christians to which the author is writing to, whether writing or, or, or preaching this sermon to, are experiencing persecution of all kinds. They're, they're experiencing um, social persecution and rejection. They're, they're experiencing physical persecution. The loss of goods. The loss of place in society and business. They're experiencing physical persecution and harm. And all of this, all of this is tempting them to, to abandon Christ altogether and to go back to something that for them might ease the affliction and the persecution that they're experiencing. And the author has been at pains to exhort them to not do so and to warn them that to abandon Christ and to go back to old covenant life will only end in judgment. If that's the road and route that you go, and if you go all the way there, all you will find is judgment. And the same is true for us. Jesus warns us in Matthew 10, you don't need to turn there, but Matthew 10, verse 28, very clearly Jesus warns and encourages us to to not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. His judgment is one that we ought to find shelter from, not man's. If there is to be any wrath or judgment that we seek shelter from, it ought to be the Lord's and not man's. So what what do the Hebrew Christians need to be reminded of? And what do we this morning need to be reminded of? Well, simply that faith dispels our fear of man. And faith shelters us from the judgment of God. Faith removes, dispels, takes away our fear of man. And it shelters or guards us or delivers us from the judgment and wrath of Almighty God. And we'll see this shown to us as we continue to look at the life of Moses, his life and his faith, where we see first Moses' faith in the face of Pharaoh's wrath, and then secondly, Moses' faith in the face of God's wrath. So with that in mind, look at with me again at verse 27 of Hebrews chapter 11 as we consider Moses' faith in the face of Pharaoh's wrath. Again, we read, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So let's note first what Moses did. First it says that Moses left Egypt. Now Moses left Egypt, we could say twice. He left in Exodus chapter 2 when he fled left Egypt and fled to Midian. And he also leaves again, really finally and formally, in the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. But I I believe that, that verse 27 is actually referring to his second leaving, which he which he enters into 
and begins to really take the first steps toward in, in Exodus chapter 10 and verse 28 and 29. So you can turn there with me. Keep a finger really between Hebrews 11 and Exodus chapter 10. We're going to be flipping back and forth really between those two sections as we consider the life and faith of Moses. But Exodus chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, this is just following the ninth plague that God has brought upon the Egyptian people. Darkness has covered all of Egypt. And Pharaoh calls Moses before him in verse 28 of Exodus 10 says, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face again, you shall die. And Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. Now, while Moses has not, I guess, if you will, formally left Egypt in the crossing of the Red Sea, which comes in Exodus chapter 14, the decision has been already made to leave Egypt. And it has been declared before Pharaoh that he is going to leave Egypt and he's going to take the people with him. Again, we really see this over the course of of Moses coming back and forth to Pharaoh to deliver Um, the threatenings of the plagues. But Moses is leaving Egypt whether Pharaoh likes it or not. So by faith, he left Egypt. Now, now, let's note the second thing that our text says, the manner of Moses is leaving. What was the attitude with which Moses left Egypt? Well, look again, it says, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king. He left courageously. He left boldly. He left without fear. He was not afraid. Which note note first that this contrasts with his first leaving. This is one of the reasons why I think that verse 27 is referring to his second leaving. Because in his first leaving... All the way back in Exodus chapter 2, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to, it's Exodus 2, 14 through 15. Exodus chapter 2, he has just killed the Egyptian. Exodus chapter 2, we'll start in verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? Verse 14, and he answered, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. 
So if you notice in his first leaving, contrasted or com- with, with his second leaving, clearly there's an indication that Moses flees in fear. He's afraid that the news that he killed this Egyptian will lead to the ears of the king, which it did. And the king was angry, filled with wrath. So Moses, in, in, in fear of this, flees to Midian. So his first leaving, we could say, was by fear. His second leaving, by faith. And that with, with bold faith, with courageous faith, persevering faith. It says that he left not fearing the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. It's also important to note that, that in his second leaving, while it says that he left with courage, it's important to note that, that Moses' faith was very, very weak at first. That his courage was very weak at first. Or really, if you, if you look back at the story, it almost appears non-existent. That he lacks all sense of courage and boldness. In Exodus chapter 3, when the Lord appears to him in a burning bush, he, he, he calls him and he commissions him to be the one who would lead the people out of Egypt and out of slavery and out of bondage. And Moses is extremely reluctant at first, if you remember the story. And God over and over again, reminding him of his covenant promises, reminding him that he will be with him, that he will empower him, that he will strengthen him. God is emboldening Moses there in Exodus 3 and 4. And finally, in chapter 4, he resolves to go, to obey the call of God, to go back to Egypt, and to to be the one to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses' courage was very weak at first, but it grew and strengthened over time. Grew and strengthened over time to to where we see it reach really a high point. In Exodus chapter 11, Exodus chapter 11, he's before Pharaoh again. He's before Pharaoh again. And he, he threatens him with a final plague. This is Exodus 11, 1, if you're looking there. said, The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Verse 4, now jump down, if you jump down there, Moses is speaking before Pharaoh in his, in his court and those who are present. Moses says, thus says the Lord about midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who's behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all of the land of Egypt, such as there has ever been or never has been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Verse 8, And all these servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. 
fuming from the nostrils. You can see that something has shifted in the disposition or the attitude of Moses from Exodus chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and finally getting to Exodus chapter 11 where he's standing before Pharaoh now threatening him with this final plague. Declaring to him what is going to come. All of your people will bow down before me and recognize the one who has sent me and who has empowered me. And they will beg me to leave and I will go. They will beg me to go. Now, what is the reason? What is the reason? What is the grounds for for Moses' courage? For Moses' endurance? As he goes before Pharaoh time and time again. And as he is emboldened, what is the grounds? What is the cause for that? Well, look again at verse 27 of Hebrews 11. It says, By faith he left Pharaoh or left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, who is Pharaoh, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So what is the reason for Moses' courage and Moses' perseverance? He trusted in and feared the Lord. He trusted in and feared to the Lord. It says that he looked to or he saw him who is invisible. He looked to or saw. Now this is obviously not referring to physical sight. That he literally saw the invisible God and his divine essence. But he saw with the eyes of faith. He looked to the one who was invisible. He saw the one who was invisible with the eyes of faith. Now, in preparing for this, I was meditating and trying to think about what are some of the really practical reasons as to why we find ourselves giving into the fear of man as opposing to enduring in the fear and trust of the Lord. And I think one of the things that I was thinking about for me, and, and, and maybe this rings true for, for, for you all as well, is that the fear of man and, and the threat of man and the danger of man oftentimes seems and comes to us in a more tangible and present or instant, instantaneous kind of way. As opposed to God and His promises uh, uh, of deliverance seem, seem distant at times. When, when, we, when we're speaking to someone about the Lord and they reject us, when we're holding fast to the convictions of our faith, even when that doesn't jive well with other people or with the unbelieving world, we feel, if you will, in our senses that anger and that rejection Again, more tangibly, more presently as to the Lord. But what are we being told here in Hebrews chapter 11? Well, that Moses endured looking to or seeing the one who was invisible. There's something about faith. There's something about faith 
that causes us to actually see something, actually behold something that is real, actually behold something present and in this moment about God and about His promises. This is exactly what Moses did. When it says that he looked to the Lord, when he saw the One who was invisible, he is actually beholding. He is actually apprehending something of God and His promises. That emboldens him. That fills him with courage. That comforts him there and in that moment to face Pharaoh. And then to lead the people out from Egypt. The author has already defined faith as such in verse 1 of chapter 11. Faith is the assurance, the substance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. When we place our faith in the Lord, when we look to Him in faith, we actually, again, are are apprehending something about God and His promises. We experience in that moment some aspect of the foretaste of what we will experience in our final deliverance from this sinful world where we are brought into perfect communion and fellowship with Him free from sin's presence forever. Moses endures not fearing the king by looking to him who is invisible. He looked to the Lord and the promises of God. I think we can look back at a number of different places in the life of Moses between Exodus 3 and all through Exodus 14 before he leaves, but I think really specifically one moment stands out that I think really was the, the grounds for Moses as he goes before Pharaoh and he leaves Egypt, Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 8, if you want to turn there. God spoke to Moses. And he said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of my people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the land from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land that I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Again, I think we can look back to many things. But I think this, this great 
moment where the Lord brings Himself, declares Himself to be Yahweh to Moses. And to promise Him that He will be with Him. That He will preserve Him. That He will preserve the the Israelites. And that He will be faithful to His covenant promises to them. That He will bring them out of Egypt. And He will bring them to the land to which they have promised. I think this is the grounds that strengthened and emboldened Moses as he considered the God of the covenant, the one who promised, and as he considered and looked to with hope the promises to be fulfilled. He looked to them with faith. And even though they weren't actually his in that moment, even though he hadn't experienced the full blessings of the promised land then and in that moment, it was as good as his by faith. The preservation of the Lord, the fulfilled promises of the Lord to be with him and to deliver him was his by faith. This is what fuels faith as it grow, grows over the course of the events in Moses' life. And it's the same for us as well as we look to the Lord and His promises with the eyes of faith. We endure and we are emboldened as we set our eyes upon the Lord, who He is and what He's done and what He promises to do. Moses' life truly reminds us that faith alone dispels our fear of man as it looks to the Lord, His Word, and His works. And secondly, let's consider Moses' faith in the face of Pharaoh's wrath. Or sorry, God's wrath. Verse 28 of Hebrews 11. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. So let's note again first, what did Moses do by faith? It says that he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood. Now first, this is reference to to the first Passover that, that took place, which was in regards to the the tenth and final plague, where as as the destroyer, the angel of death, is going to pass through Egypt, and he will strike down the firstborn of every family. But the Lord institutes for Moses a gracious and saving delivering act, which is the Passover which was the taking in of a lamb, having it live with your family for a short period of time, then eventually you would kill it. And you would smear its blood on the doorposts and the lintel of the door. And this would be a sign to the destroyer or the angel of death as it passed over your home and would visit the homes of the Egyptians, those who did not have that blood on the doorposts and the lintels. So Moses, by faith, kept the Passover. 
and sprinkled the blood at that first Passover, but also he kept it as a memorial. In, in Exodus, chapter, Exodus chapter 12, you don't have to turn there, but in Exodus chapter 12, this is where the first institution comes. But then later in Exodus chapter 12, it's instituted as a memorial to be kept as an ongoing remembrance of what God has done to preserve them, to guard them, and to deliver them. It was a memorial of what God has done, but it was also meant to remind them of what was to come and the promised blessing that was to come. So Moses kept the Passover. They partook of the Passover meal. They smeared the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel of the door. And the angel of death passed over the homes of the Israelites who had the, the blood covering the door. And what was the, what was the result ultimately? Well, they were sheltered from God's wrath and judgment. In this last plague, we see on full display God's judgment, His wrath, and also His grace. The Egyptians experience the just wrath of Almighty God, whereas the Israelites experience God's gracious and kind mercy. Now, to quote Alistair Begg, by all worldly standards, what Moses did was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. When you consider Egypt as a nation, when you consider the power of Pharaoh, and when you consider this tenth and final plague, that the angel of death, the destroyer, is going to come and cast down every firstborn. And the one thing that will preserve them is the spilt blood of a baby goat or sheep. And that blood is to be spread on the doorpost and the lintel of the door. And this is what will guard them and preserve them from the wrath of God. But Moses, looking with the eyes of faith, he looked to the means, the only means, that God had prescribed to be his shelter and all of Israel's shelter from his just and holy wrath against Egypt. And this would ultimately be the means by which God would lead the people of God. Israel out of the bondage of the Egyptians. And we are no different at all. For we too look with the eyes of faith to the only means which God has prescribed, which He has offered up Himself to be our shelter, to be our deliverance from His just and holy wrath against our own sinfulness and to lead us into redemption redemption not from the bondage of Egypt or anything from this world but to lead us out of bondage from sin 
and death. This is why the Apostle John can refer to Jesus as he sees him coming before him. Behold, the Passover lamb or the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 can refer to Jesus as our Passover lamb who was sacrificed. Or Peter refers to Jesus as the lamb who was without blemish. Jesus and Jesus alone is the means by which we are guarded and sheltered from the wrath of Almighty God. He is the Lamb who is without blemish. He is the one who lived the perfect and sinless life, who fulfilled all of the righteous requirements of the law. All of its precepts, He fulfilled perfectly. Its demands for perfection, but also its demands for punishment. He is the Lamb of God, truly without blemish, who was slain for you and for me. And we look to Him, and to Him alone, with the eyes of faith, so that we might be sheltered and guarded and preserved from the judgment of God. Again, we are taught in this text, Moses' life reminds us That faith alone truly shelters us from the just wrath of God as it looks to the Lord's mercy and grace in Christ. So in light of all of this, so what? By way of application, um, so what? What are we to do? Well, the application is already made for us by the author of Hebrews himself. If you just turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we won't spend much time here because we will get there, Lord willing, at some point this year or maybe next year. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder of and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As we struggle with the fear of man and the anger of man and the rejection of man, who do we look to? We look to Christ. Who do we look to to shelter us from the just wrath and condemnation of God for our own sinfulness? Who do we point others to? Jesus. Moses is one of these witnesses that Hebrews 12 refers to. All of the people we've talked about are. And Moses is one of these witnesses is considered one whose life and faith pointed to Christ. We are told back in Hebrews chapter 3 that Moses was faithful as a servant in God's house. As a servant to do what? To testify to things spoken later. This can refer to many things, but ultimately and primarily, I think those things spoken later are referring to Christ. 
all of Moses' life, all the things that he did, all the things that he said, pointed to Jesus, find their fulfillment in Jesus. Even as a leader who would lead the charge of the people to deliver them into fulfillment of God's promises that He had made with them, finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. The promise of the Passover Lamb and what it points forward to, again, ultimately finds its fulfillment in Jesus. This is what the struggling Hebrew Christians needed to be reminded of. And this is what we need to be reminded of, not only this morning, but every single day. Jesus never gave in to the fear of man or the wrath of his enemies, the Pharaoh of his day. He was without fear. And he persevered, looking to him who he has known from all eternity, looking to him, the one who sent him his heavenly father. He looked to the will of the father and all that was promised to him for his completion of the father's will. He is the one who is truly faithful without fail. He is the one who truly endured with courage without fail. So He is our confidence and our hope even when we fail. We look to Jesus. And Jesus again is the Passover Lamb who doesn't merely cover the the doorposts and, and the lintels of the doors of our homes, but He does so on the doors of our hearts. And delivers us from the wrath of Almighty God. And He is our surety. He is the grounds of the promises of God. That they are all truly ours by faith in Him and in Him alone. May you never stop beholding Him. Looking to Him with the eyes of faith. As He is the only one who can truly remove the fear of man from your heart and bring you to the Lord as an object of His grace rather than His wrath. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we again thank You so much for this morning and the blessing and privilege that it is to consider Your Word and Your work. God, what it is that You have done for us in and by Your Son God, we pray. God, we pray that you would cause us to look to him, and in looking to him, our faith, our strength, the strength of our faith, the courage of our faith, the perseverance of our faith would grow more and more as we look to him. God, we pray in all things that you'd be glorified, that Christ would be exalted in our minds and in our hearts and that we would be edified and built up. In your holy name we pray. Amen.